Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 3 is a fight that will live long in the memory in the rich annals of boxing history, the prestigious heavyweight division. What a way to end an epic trilogy. It was an epic war. Wilder gave it his all. He even knocked Fury down twice. But when the chips were down, the Gypsy King went to battle. And in doing so, he retained his WBC heavyweight crown, flooring Wilder for good in the 11th round. A merciful stoppage from the referee. And the Gypsy King retains his place as the rightful number one heavyweight in the world. What a night. We're going to wrap it all up here in this latest episode of Catchweight. So for a fight that initially a lot of people were perhaps tired of hearing about with all the delays and so on, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder whipped up a frenzy across social media, across global media outlets as well, and the anticipation for this trilogy fight was sky high. Fury began to get into a rhythm in the second round using his strength, his size, his power, and a lot of clinching, just trying to tire Wilder and just back him up with the jab. Fury had plenty of success before the third round marked the potential, or what we thought was the beginning of the end for Wilder, who began to unravel after a huge right hand behind the temple, just on that sweet spot, sent Wilder to the canvas, and um, a left hook just helped him on the way down. That seemed to be the writing on the wall, but to his credit, Wilder got up. He was in dire straits at some points. He was looking very tired already, just because of how sharp he had to start and how much output he had been putting onto Tyson Fury rather than you know his usual uh, fighting style which is kind of wait a bit bide his time and then uncork that right hand when he's still fresh of energy and still locked and loaded then came the twist of all twists Fury in the fourth round really opening it up trying to just get Wilder out of there now leaning forward just coming straight onto him and Fury walks onto a cracking right hand a one-two straight on the top of the head all the force going straight through Fury's brain most of the heavyweights would have gone to sleep Fury was wobbled and then helped down as he tried to clinch on a left hand was kind of just pushed him down to the canvas and there the T-Mobile arena absolutely erupted Fury was wobbled he came back managed to crack Wilder with a big shot of his own before Wilder caught him with a great right hook just behind the ear and Fury went down again. Fury composed himself. The referee counted him. I'm hearing some people talking about the slow count. Okay, maybe it was a slow, slightly slow count, but Fury wasn't exactly out of it at that point. He was more just biding his time, making the most out of the seconds. Whereas Wilder, whenever he got knocked down, he was trying to get up straight away and make a point. And of course, you know, when you're getting knocked down like that, you get up quickly, you're feeling dizzier and you're more susceptible to being stopped. Fury did, did survive that fourth round. And after that, Deontay Wilder, I think maybe that was his last stand. He still threw leather. He still gave it his all for the remaining rounds before the stoppage. But he was essentially a wounded warrior at this point. Not giving up mentally, but physically he was exhausted. Did manage to land a couple of shots on Fury, but they just didn't have that snap or the power that they did in the first few rounds. And this just gave Fury more and more confidence. At one point, Fury was even walking through him, tapping his chin, which was unheard of for someone to be doing against the likes of Deontay Wilder. After the dramatic fourth round, the fight kind of shifted towards almost a carbon copy of the second fight, where Fury was coming forward, trouncing forward, leaning on Wilder, making Wilder carry a lot of his weight, roughing him up in the clinch, landing a lot of them short shots, and Wilder didn't really have much of an answer. Wilder kind of resorted back to his basics as well. The jabs to the body, the new tactics learned under Malik Scott all seemed to wither away, and he was just looking for that right hand, the right hands of which, when they did land, didn't have anywhere near the sting that they would have had earlier in the fight, and Fury was just growing in confidence, and that ultimately led to the stoppage. To his credit, Wilder, he didn't want the corner to step in like they did in the first first time round or in the rematch shall I say Malik Scott 
was under strict orders not to throw the towel in. Wilder wanted to go on his shield and that is what he did. He was floored in the 10th round. A good Fury had already learned his lesson by that point. The 4th round was a stern reminder. The only reminder he really needed to know that he can't just walk into the fire recklessly because he could get finished and ultimately after that he took his time just waited for Wilder to unravel Wilder ultimately did unravel but it became increasingly clear that the corner weren't going to stop it Wilder wasn't going to quit Fury had to put Wilder out for good and that he did in the 11th round Wilder backing up against the ropes exhausted nothing left Fury lands a right hook on the sweet spot of the temple Wilder goes down in a heap face first the referee doesn't even count that was the referee's chance to finally stop the fight before Wilder was taking a lot of punishment but he just managed to get something off at the right time or just move away or even cling on at some points to his detriment though when he was kind of just pulling Fury's over 270 pounds of weight onto him and just tiring himself out further. The doctor stepped in a couple of times and granted Wilder his eyes weren't necessarily glazed over he was just absolutely exhausted and just taking a beating there was not any time where he was extremely wobbled except for the knockdowns there were a couple of moments where his legs would stiffen up like uh, uppercut in the ninth round I believe from Fury Wilder's legs stiffened up he appeared just to be falling but then he kind of got his legs back underneath him it was inhumane the resolve and resilience from Deontay Wilder displayed that night and maybe he did have a case now against um, Mark Breland for the anger he showed towards him and for him stopping the fight back in February 2020, you can see why Wilder had a point because look how much Wilder can sustain. Look how much he can he could take. Maybe it's not the wisest decision, but Wilder, a fighter who has prized himself on his honour, on his ability to withstand punishment and his ability to stay in the fight, what a way to do it. And I think he deserves his props. And yeah, it was sad that they didn't get to have an embrace at the end of the fight when Fury was paraded around the ring as team in there whilst Malik Scott and the doctors attended to Deontay Wilder but that is perhaps the edge that Wilder has had throughout his whole career he's never been someone to necessarily embrace himself in the sportsman side of things and of course you know you do want to see it but Wilder is a guy who runs off the edge and who likes being the enemy who likes having that sort of fire extra fire underneath which gets him up for the fight you saw the intensity before both fighters um, started that first round Wilder was ready to go and he made a great account of himself he was just outmatched technically Fury was a bigger man Fury was a faster more powerful man and it made it show Wilder was outclassed and this was a definitive closure to an epic trilogy Wilder will undoubtedly have a lot of time off after this fight, but I think the appetite to see him fight is still as high as ever when you see, not only does he have that knockout power, but he has that ability just to stay in the fight. And I think the likes of him against Joshua, perhaps maybe an Usyk, even the likes of Joe Joyce and um, Dillian White down the line would all be big fights going into the twilight of his career. At 35 years of age, maybe he still does have a route back to that heavyweight title. He is such a big name. There are big fights still around the um, stratosphere and you could say he is still a top three heavyweight if not a top four he is always going to be in the mix now and he's shown that he doesn't necessarily have the skill but we always knew that anyway he definitely does have the power and as he proved on Saturday night he certainly has the heart and grit to hang in there even when all of it is going against him like he did on Saturday night props to Deontay Wilder fantastic effort but the bronze bomber was outclassed by a supreme boxer someone who is so skilled technically someone who could control the fight in all quarters take it to where he's strong and beat his opponent at his strengths as well he matched Wilder for power he took Wilder's best shot and when it all came down to it he just tired Wilder out made use of his size made use of his strength employed the game plan very well except for the fourth round but he learned his lesson and here he is on the top of the world who can beat Fury of course there are other candidates like Alexander Usyk maybe even Adillian White or perhaps Otto Wall in the rematch whoever gets wins that on October 30th they could be next in line with a WBC mandatory position hanging in the balance at the O2 Arena 
But whoever Fury steps in there against next time round, if he does, of course, you never know, Fury could step away from the sport now. And who would blame him? He's at the very top of the mountain. Fury is going to be a huge, huge favourite for someone to have such size and to mix it up so well, to have the physical and technical skill attributes in his favour. I mean, the, the odds are stacked against whoever he steps in there with. A stunning performance from Tyson Fury, Sugar Hill Stewart and him are the perfect, perfect partnership, really, because um, they were able to fight fire with fire. They were able to just uh, employ the, the size to great great advantage. The jab of Fury when he finally got behind that, we saw um, Sugar Hill Stewart pleading with his fighter to get behind that jab and try and break Wilder down that way. As for the other side, Malik Scott, of course, there were a lot of question marks over this man, a man who has, of course, been vanquished by Deontay Wilder in Deontay Wilder's run to the top. He had a very good account for himself. I think Deontay Wilder looked very sharp for those first few rounds. He did manage to drop Tyson Fury as well, but especially that first round, the jabs to the body were good, and um, Wilder was being much less bullied by Fury, but then, you know, when, when the fourth and fifth rounds came, Wilder was exhausted. Maybe it was a mistake from Wilder to pack on the extra size. It didn't really help him in the clinches where I think that is where they missed a trick there, the Wilder camp. They really need to avo avoid getting into the clinch with Fury and it was just unavoidable after like the fourth and fifth rounds. Fury was just able to lean on him, land those sneaky shots in the clinch. Granted, Wilder did knock him, knock Fury down with a right hook when he had um, Fury in the clinch, but other than that, it was just Wilder forced to clinch himself and drag Fury's astronomical weight onto him, just tiring himself out and just really nullifying any of his potential chances in the fight. This fight was really the exclamation mark on the heavyweight division and how good of an era we are in right now. We are in a golden era, I, I would say. Tyson Fury, one of the best to ever do it at the very top. Deontay Wilder, a hard-hitting knockout artist with so much grit and determination. Alexander Usyk, a technical master, coming up from cruiserweight, throwing his name into the mix, beating a guy who, of the star power of Anthony Joshua himself, a fantastic boxer in his own right. Then you've got the other contenders around. You've got Dillian White. You've got uh, Andy Ruiz, perhaps Luis Ortiz in there, Joe Joyce. The list goes on. We've got some cracking heavyweight barn burners on tap coming up in the future. Perhaps that could start with Fury versus the winner of White versus Wallin. We probably are going to see, well, we are going to see Usyk and Joshua. The rematch will now go ahead because Eddie, Eddie Hearn has confirmed that the rematch clause is officially triggered. So that leads to Usyk and Joshua um, going toe-to-toe -to -toe, um, early next year, which isn't too bad when you see it's early next year. It's not going to be a case of, well, unless another pandemic hits and um, contractual obligations and all that th get thrown into the mix. It seems pretty ironclad, though, this contract that Matchroom have Usyk signed under, where the rematch is going to happen most likely by March or April, and then that will make up for a big summer sizzler, perhaps the Fury versus Usyk, maybe Fury versus Joshua, maybe that will arise again. God knows what is going to happen in the heavyweight division, but the chances are Tyson Fury is going to be very well in the centre of that. i tell you a fight I would love to see right now would be Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. They, of course, didn't strike when the iron was hot, when both combined held all the heavyweight titles, when both were undefeated. Can you imagine how big that fight would have been? Well, now we can't because the ship has sailed, but the ship hasn't sailed for the fight itself, which would still be a cracker and one that maybe Wilder may now be favoured in. So it's still crazy how Wilder's stock has gone up. Of course, he didn't do the best favour for himself by you know not showing that bit of respect to Fury come the end of the fight, but I don't think Wilder cares nonetheless. And I think everyone is going to be tuned in to see the Bronze Bomber if we see him again. If not, congratulations, Deontay Wilder. What a career. Same to Tyson Fury. What a performance and, and what a rivalry between these two individuals. It is up there with the a modern classic or even all-time classics. What a trilogy of twists, of, of turns 
and that third round, that third fight, sorry, just summed it all up perfectly. As far as the undercard goes, on paper, it was looking like a nice appetizer to the big heavyweight title fight. Didn't really turn out that way, especially for the co-main event, which saw Frank Sanchez defeat F.A. Ajagba on a unanimous decision win. The Cuba just really controlled the pace and technically just showed how good he was. Never really went up a gear and just stayed and cruised his way to um, that big win. In terms of big wins, we saw Robert Hellenius looked as good as ever against Adam Konatsky. And um, Konatsky kind of just wanted a way out there. He just took a lot of punishment towards the mid-rounds of the fight and just went for the low blows. The referee stopped it. It still came as a stoppage towards them um, in favour of Hellenius, so who looked brilliant, looked better than ever. One of those fringe contenders, maybe an interesting bounce-back fight for the likes of Wilder, maybe Joshua if they do take him down the line. Um, Jared Anderson, this was probably, besides, of course, the main event, the big show of the night. Big baby, um, gets Tereshkin out of there in two rounds, some fantastic power in his right hand. Of course, not the best of opponents, but a nice little showcase. Edgar Belanga didn't really impress particularly, but I think it was down to an injured hand. He had the big uh, undercard spot. Um, of course, it was his second fight now without scoring a KO after that impressive run off knockouts. He did, of course, get dropped as well, but it wasn't really too much of a formality. His opponent did give a lot of interesting challenges. Belanga would, of course, be hoping for more impressive nights with the spotlight. He is young. He's only 24 years old. A lot of power, a lot of things to work on. What a night that was. And that was the conclusion of quite a jam-packed night in the fight game. Uh, we had a big boxing card on in Liverpool as well. Perhaps one of the best Liverpool cards in recent memory as far as boxing goes. We saw the main event, Liam Smith, Anthony Fowler, a clash on the Merseyside between two Liverpoolians. And what a start Anthony Fowler had. He was cracking... Um, Smith with the jab landed a great one-two down the pipe in the first round that had Smith busted open. Fowler was looking good, he was looking sharp, but then Smith, the veteran who's been in there with the likes of Canelo, been in the, there with the likes of Munguia, really did put on his veteran hat and just went to work and broke down uh, Fowler en route to stopping him with a KO in the eighth round, I believe. This is how I thought the fight would go except for Fowler's big start. Fowler's big start did surprise me, but he just couldn't keep up the pace. And Smith, the veteran, he had so much more experience. I thought this fight was going to come down to an experience, and that's exactly what it did come down to. The co-main event was a cracker. Ted Cheeseman was willing to go into the fire with Troy Williamson, and he ultimately ended up getting burnt, scolded pretty much um, by Williamson, who Went to, went to war, was willing to match it, the pace with Cheeseman and ultimately it was quite a brutal knockout. Cheeseman kind of out on his feet. Ted Cheeseman, great servant of British boxing. Maybe it's time to call it a career now or maybe at least take a bit of time off. Every fight he's in a war now and he takes a lot of damage. You don't want to see that happening too long in a British ring. We'll quickly touch on the UFC before we wrap things up as well. Marina Rodriguez, another UFC main event for her and another top contender knocked off in some style. It wasn't the most entertaining of fights. I mean, from a casual perspective, I did see a lot of people who weren't willing to watch this, even though it was on, you know, more um, palatable times, shall I say. It was around uh, 10 o'clock UK time, which is very good for a main event uh, this side of the pond. Marina Rodriguez demonstrates her excellent striking, good takedown defence, and Mackenzie Dern, her wrestling weaknesses were pretty much exposed on, on that time, on that fight. Marina Rodriguez doing well to just jab her way to the five-round five round unanimous decision victory and maybe get one step closer towards the winner of Zhang Guilai versus Rose Namajunas, which goes down on um, 
UFC 268 in New York, but Carla Esparza will, of course, have something to say about that. I think Carla Esparza will favour her matchup with Marina Rodriguez. She has got much better wrestling. Rodriguez was kind of flawed in the wrestling department. I think both were in this fight, and this kind of was a demonstration of that, and just allowed Marina Rodriguez to have the fight on her own terms and, and do what she needed to do. In terms of the card, it was one of those sleeper cards. Not the most entertaining, but, you know, solid level fights, like, you know, Jared Gooden, Randy Brown, that gruesome thing with Randy Brown's toe. It was hard to really concentrate on this. I was drawn more into the action from the DAZN card, if I'm honest. But, you know, a decent card. And Marina Rodriguez is, of course, going to be coming for that belt soon. She is undoubtedly one win away, if not there already, for a shot at the strawweight title. What a run it's been from stopping um, the um, highly touted prospect Amanda Ribas to doing what she is doing now. Fair play, Amanda Ribas. And um, maybe she could be tasting that strawweight gold very soon. If we're keeping it 100, all that was an appetizer. Without it, it just would have meant more talking from David Hay, who um, was very pro-wild of that fight. And then, of course, he goes to call out Tyson Fury after the fight. Um, you know, BT Sports Boxing is always a brilliant uh, coverage team. But I think David Hay made a bit of a fool of himself, I'll be honest, on the night. Just the way he was calling out Fury for fights after fighting a businessman on a thriller card just a few weeks before. I think you've got to keep that out of it. You've got to keep your... Um, objectiveness about you when you're covering these big fights and it didn't really help it kind of tarnished the broadcast for me in that respect but other than that we even saw Big E the WWE champion Big E getting the shine announcing the two fighters on the video packages immediately before their entrances what an entrance from from both men as well the costumes were on point it was just the ultimate heavyweight show and I think I'll be watching this a lot of times throughout the weeks and throughout the years to come just embracing the classic what a fight Fury shows his resolve. Fury just shows if you knock him down, he'll keep getting up. The same as Dante Wilder. He'll keep getting up until his body just shuts down. And that's exactly what happened. A testament for, to both fighters' abilities, to both of their credibilities. But the Gypsy King, all hail the Gypsy King. He is on top of the world, looking unstoppable. He has taken on another challenge. He has overcome adversity. He's used to overcoming adversity in life. And now he is used to overcoming it in the ring. Like the cut against Wallen. Like the first fight against Deontay Wilder where he was out for good. And like this third trilogy fight against Deontay Wilder where he was on the canvas twice. But he was able to work his way back up and just impose himself. Impose his game plan and impose his will on the bronze bomber. Making the bronze bomber wilt and ultimately capturing or recapturing, retaining his heavyweight crowns. The Gypsy King is the number one heavyweight fight on the planet. Perhaps maybe the pound for pound number one. If not, he is definitely in the conversation for that. What a fighter, what a personality. The way you took the microphone at the end of the fight and just serenaded the whole crowd. This guy could do it all. And I think it's about time. Both these guys, both these fighters, Fury and Wilder, got more love. This may be the start of it. Tyson Fury, what an individual. What an enigmatic character. He was a guy who was snubbed off the Queen's Honours list in 2020. Maybe he'll get on there. Maybe he'll get the recognition he deserves now because I think the whole of the UK should get behind him. It was a shame the UK fans couldn't come out to support him in Las Vegas, but they will all be cheering him on from home. And maybe now it's time for Fury to come back and sell out a stadium of his own in the United Kingdom. We saw Anthony Joshua do that just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe Fury is now owed that opportunity. As for Deontay Wilder, wherever's next, more fans will be tuning again. A lot of respect has gone his way. Thank you to both men. This is an epic fight, one we won't forget for a long time. Do yourself a favour, 
go back, watch it over a couple of times and just take it in because this was a piece of history we witnessed on Saturday night. This is one of those fights we'll tell the younger generations about. We'll say, I was there. It was an I was there moment. The night Tyson Fury climbed off the canvas and put to bed his epic rival with Deontay Wilder in an unbelievable heavyweight classic. This is not just a modern day classic. This is an all-time classic. Fury, Wilder, well done. Congratulations to the Gypsy King and thank you to both men for putting on a contest we may never, ever forget. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you very soon.